We're continuing this morning in our current sermon series, The ABCs of Christianity. What are those basics, those things that we're to believe as followers of Christ, but also let's rehearse and think through again. What, what are the basics that we're to be about? What is it we are to do? We've been walking through the letters of the alphabet, and we're staying in the letter R. And you can see a clear R when you look at Joseph's life. This is a basic for any believer. It seems to be in Scripture a plan A defensive strategy, and that is when temptation comes, you run. It's biblical, and it's a reminder here we are to run. Now listen, we're going to look at later in, in our time together some positives from the New Testament. Usually when the New Testament talks about run, you look at Hebrews, we run well, or run, or 1 Corinthians, run a race to obtain the prize, or Hebrews 12, because we have all these witnesses, we should run uh, with endurance. But today, it's a defensive kind of running. You're literally running for your spiritual life. It's a great reminder for the believer, and we see it throughout the Scriptures. It does not mean that we do not stand up for our faith. It does not mean that we do not engage culture or people. We're going to talk about that next week, how we stand up for our faith. If you've been going through our Bible reading plan, we've been in the Proverbs. And just this week, Proverbs 28 said, the wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It is right for us to, to be strong in the Lord, to stand up for our faith. But you see countless reminders throughout Scripture when there's temptation, the church is to run or to flee from that. Paul talks about it all the time in his writings. 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 10, flee from idolatry, later when he's writing to Timothy. And he, in 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Timothy 6, he lists all kinds of sins, quarreling, envy, greed, and Paul says, you run from all of those things. And then in 2 Timothy 2, whatever those youthful desires you have, run or flee from them. It's the call, it's the mandate from Scripture, but it's also the example. Now again, this is Paul. Paul, in all those scriptures I just read, Paul, who stood up at Mars Hill and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the philosophy and the religions of the day, Paul, who was arrested for his faith, Paul, who was shipwrecked, Paul, who would stand up to any adversity, and he says, listen, when there's this kind of temptation, you run. And that's what we see in Joseph's life. Even Paul, too, in Galatians 6, when he's saying when we do that work, and it's a hard work with our brothers and sisters, I need it, you need it, where somebody will come and say a word of correction and say, hey, I think I see this in your life. Paul even says to the church in Galatia, if you think that by, when you carefully go to a brother and sister and it might pull you in, you even run from that. It's, it's the reminder throughout scriptures you run because if you've been reading along, and I encourage you to go back through Proverbs, everything we're talking about today in, in Genesis, really, is, you see it throughout Proverbs. This word keeps coming up. There's several words that keep coming up in Proverbs, but I never caught this before, and it's in snare or trap. And so the different authors of Proverbs throughout their, their writings are saying to the church, you can't toy with sin. You can't play with sin. You have no idea that it is waiting to trap you and hold you and take you down. 
when you see it, as we just sang together, I want a principle within, a sensibility about sin. So as soon as I feel it, I turn back to the Lord. What we see in Joseph's life, again, is this reminder run. Now listen, we're going to talk about standing up. I know some of us won't be here next week. It's a holiday weekend. We do stand up. That's one of the, one of the couple of people in all of Scripture that had a garment taken from them One of them was Mark. Do you remember that story? It doesn't overtly say in Mark's gospel that it was him, but most biblical scholars think it was. We kind of pick on Peter because we remember later after Jesus was betrayed and during his different trials, we remember late in Mark when Peter denies Christ. But what we forget is as soon as he is arrested, everybody else runs. Scripture says in Mark, and Mark reports it, everybody flees. Everybody runs from Jesus, and we think it's him who kind of kept along just a little bit right at the end of that, but as soon as they see that he's one of Jesus' followers and they grab this little garment he has, they grab it, he takes off running. He leaves Jesus, and he leaves in his birthday suit. I'll let you go back and read that scripture. I love that that's in, that's in the Bible. If I'm Mark, I'm not writing that down. I'm not putting down, yeah, and I got scared and ran off the way that ran off too. I'm not putting that in. But I love how the Holy Spirit who inspires this word of God says, Mark, you put it down. We show everything because our faith is real and it happens to real people and real people who struggle. Later you see another up and then a down in Mark's life, but then another up where you see somebody who struggles with fear and maybe not standing up, but eventually he does. So I love that the Bible shows the, 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 it's so authentic because it shows what we really go through, but also shows what can happen in our lives. So we get to this passage about Joseph. We're going to look at three different things together about running. I'm going to confess to you, I, I don't run for many things anymore, right? By mid-30s, I was playing half-court basketball. I gave up fast break church basketball in my mid-30s. I think the only time I can count in the last 15 years where I have run or sprinted, the word sprint, uh, the last time I sprinted was on a Russian mission trip. And I did not sprint when some very aggressive Muslims were screaming in my face to be quiet while I was preaching in the streets of Sochi and Adler. I didn't, I didn't run from them. I didn't run when we bumped into Georgians, and at that point, Georgians were kidnapping Westerners who would come to Russia to... to hold them for ransom and and to gain money for their revolutionary work. I didn't run from them. I didn't run from even some old school communists. And I grew up in the 80s. Oh, you were scared of, terrified and rightly so of communism. And we saw them doing demonstrations in Red Square, I mean, in in Moscow there. And I, I didn't run from them. You know when I ran on that trip? On my way home, when we flew back into Cincinnati, and I knew I I may not make my connecting flight. And I had promised my young daughter I would be back on the day of her birthday. Communists, fanatical Muslims, Georgians who were kidnapping, my daughter, yeah, I'm scared. I'm running. That's when I ran and I sprinted to try to make that flight. Joseph's example for us is we need to be people who are constantly running. Now listen, it's not just running from something, but it's running to something and to someone. So three things. I'm a Methodist. It's alliteration, letter P. Ready to go? You run from the pull. 
Run from the pull of temptation. You see that so clearly in Joseph's life. And listen, you look at these scriptures. You can't get more overt as to what's happening here with Potiphar's wife. In verse 7, it is a clear proposition from her to Joseph. And he gets it because what you see, him not only saying no to her, but look at verse 10. This is overt because it didn't just happen once. Verse 10 says it's happening day after day. And I love his response here. Not only is it taking a stand, I said no, but he's creating space. He's, he's, he's trying his best not to get anywhere near her. He's setting up some safeguards so that that temptation, that pull, will not be in his life. But then finally, in verse 12, where it just gets so clear and she grabs at him, what does he do? He runs. Even stripped of his garment, he runs. That pull, that temptation was clearly obvious as to what was being asked of him, so he ran. Listen, in our culture, so much of the pull of temptation is very clear. We are bombarded by social media, television programs, billboards that scream to us, that tempt us, especially in this area. This is not the only temptation actually going on for him right now. There's a lot of other things that he's tempted by, even in this one occurrence, but, 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 but the heart of it is sexual immorality. The heart of it is to break God's plans for, for that gift. Um, and it's pretty overt here. And it's pretty overt in our culture. The kids today you ever said that, by the way, the kids today? You know, the kids today, if you see what they wear today, I did student ministry in the 90s. Trust me, the kids of the 90s. Now, luckily, I grew up in the pristine age of the 1970s. And, uh, you know, now, look, I grew up in the 70s. We only showed 50% of our legs when we, wore, when we, we dressed for summer. You know why that was? Because we wore tube socks up to our knees the shorts were to here, like two inches of material. It was almost criminal, the shorts mama put me in. But yeah, I had my tube left. So I could say I only showed 50% of my leg. Every generation has wrestled with the pull of sexual temptation. Sometimes it's overt. Sometimes it is clear, like we see here in Joseph's story. But so often it comes to us very subtly. If you've been reading along, and again, and I'll encourage you to go back to Proverbs. This, this temptation of sexual immorality comes up almost in every proverb where the writers of that are inspired by the Spirit say, stay away, stay away. And the people that often are confronted there are not confronted by overt, look at me, here's the invitation. You know what it is? Words. Now again, as you count Scripture, I want to be fair, you count Scripture, typically, it's not always true. Sometimes it's women. Usually it's men who wrestle in this area. I'm giving you examples today of, of Potiphar's wife, but usually it's men. But this temptation in Proverbs, when it speaks of a woman, it says her words or her lips drip with honey and her speech is smoother than oil. In another proverb it says it's her seductive words. So sometimes it may not be something overt or clear, something on a screen or a person who pulls us, but things that we let into our minds or into our ears that will slowly pull us to slipping in this area or in other areas. Mostly sin, the devil doesn't overplay his hand. And he comes at us in very subtle and crafty ways. I saw on social media uh, this week or last week, 
I don't know who most terrified you from a TV program or a movie, but I, I know who it was for me. It was the Wicked Witch. I'm still a little nervous when I even mention that name. And the Flying Monkeys might have been second. But that Wicked Witch terrified me in my childhood. So I read this past week or so, and I thought this was the sweetest thing. Mr. Rogers in the 70s, and his uh, public broadcasting system, uh, his, children, his, his program for children, actually brought the actress that played the Wicked Witch onto his television program so he could show the kids this is an actress who played a part in a movie, that the movie's not real. And she said, yes, this is my name, and I'm just an actress, actress, and I just played this part. It wasn't real. And so for about 20 or 30 seconds, I was very comforted by that. But then I thought to myself, that's exactly what a wicked witch would want you to think, that it's not real, and it's fake. And She tried to subtly, and oh, it's not real. And you read the Proverbs, oh, just come hang out with me. And the words, the worldview, come and they pull us away in all kinds of temptations. Usually the devil doesn't overplay his hand where it is direct or as obvious as it is here. You say, preacher, come on. I should just toughen up. We'll talk about that next week, to stand firm. But this, this is, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm just going to stare down the devil. I'm just going to stare down this temptation. I'm going to press through. There may be times for that. But what you see throughout Scripture is the example and the mandate to run. That's why I, I, I saw something else on social media this week where somebody sarcastically on a, it was actually a Christian website that said, Preachers preach just simply so they can quote Lord of the Rings. And so here I am. I'm going to quote Lord of the Rings to you. But there's, there's a, a moment in the books and also in the films where this elf and this dwarf and this man are about to face down this very evil Balrog, this fiery demon from the abyss. And all three of those characters are of royal descent. They are somebody. All three of those characters are incredible warriors. They can bring it. And the wise wizard, upon seeing that Balrog, said, run. And later, as they're about to face it down, what did he say to these people of royal descent, these people that are incredible warriors? What's the last line we get to hear from that wizard? Fly, you fool. We look at Joseph's life, whether it's sexual temptation or any other pull in your life. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's blame. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's gossip. Whatever's pulling at you. Sometimes it comes overtly. Sometimes it comes subtly. But the word in Scripture, the mandate in Scripture, the, 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 the example of somebody like Joseph who had God on him. God was with him, verse 31, 21, 23. God was with him in powerful ways. I'm running. Maybe that's the word you need to hear today. Maybe like Proverbs, you've toyed with something, or maybe sadly with Potiphar's wife, it's something overt, and you just need to say, I'm repenting, which means I'm doing a 180, and I'm running from that. 
the first thing we see in Joseph's response is run from the pull, the pull of temptation. But secondly, we race to the promise. Race to the promise, race to the plans of God, and, 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 and really at the heart of it, you race to a person. We don't just run away, uh, uh, but we run towards something and we run towards someone. What a gift we can give to our families, a gift we can give to our friendship, our church families, our friend group. I'm not just fleeing from sin, but my whole life is oriented to where I'm running towards God's plans, whatever his purposes are for my life. And that's what you see in Joseph. I'm, I'm not just running away. I'm running away because God's given me a promise. I've had the dream. I've seen what God wants to do in my life and through my life, and I'm not sacrificing that. I run from the sin, but I'm running towards the promise. I'm running toward him. I love what Paul says, again, going back to Paul. He says, we do not run like someone running aimlessly. Or the book of Hebrews, we run the race that's marked out for us. Or if you go to 2 John, we do not run without Christ's teaching. We're always running to his plans, to his purposes, to his promises. Whatever that may be, whatever struggle or temptation. I'm not just running away, but my life is following after his purposes and plans. So I won't be thwarted because I'm always running to him. You need to recommit to his plans for your, the gift of sexuality or his plans for family or his plans for what he wants to do in and through your work or the plans that he has for you in and through your friendships. We run, yes, from the pull, but we race to the plan, or we race to the promise. But there's a third thing real quickly as we close. You need to be ready for the price. There's a price to be paid. If you run from temptation and you run towards God's plans and purposes and promises, there's always a price. And Joseph found that out in verse 20. If you stand up for Jesus and you run from the right things and stand up for the right things, if you do that as the Lord's called you to do, it's going to cost. And maybe that's why we don't run. I, I want to hold on to these friends. I want to hold on to this entertainment. I want to hold on to this influence I have over here. I want to, whatever that may be, Joseph has so much on him. Privilege, work that's been gifted to him. He's over everything. I let it all go because I'm running away from temptation and I'm running towards that promise. All of that can go. And y'all, this is the sad part of this. It's, something's going to go anyway. There's always a price to pay. And if he'd have fallen for this, not only would he, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, sinned against his body. Not only would he, as, as our text said today, sinned against God. This is not just between him and Potiphar's wife. This is about God. And, and I love how Genesis calls that out. I would have sinned against you. But if you've been reading Proverbs, just the devastation of what would have been lost, not just the wreckage in his life if he had sexually sinned here. But you listen to the way that Proverbs couches that, and it just says that sin will lead you to the abyss. Uh, the Bible is, is, is clear about the wreckage that can occur in, in and from any sin, but also this reminder particularly here. But think about it even more. What if he had given into that? Yes, there's jail waiting for him, possibly death. But what if he had given into it 
it's not just his family that's about to experience famine. It's this whole area. And God's going to put his power and grace on display and feed everybody. If he goes away, or if he gets killed for this, or if he gets caught with her, and then he would have surely been killed, what happens then? But also, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the messianic line of God bringing to us the Messiah that would save our souls. We cannot miss the mark. How critical it is for us. Yes, there may be a price to pay where people may be frustrated with us or we may lose some influence with people, but when we run well, when we run away from sin well and we run to his purposes and plans, there will be a price, but praise God, there won't be a devastating price. We'll keep our witness and we'll keep our integrity. We're called to run. If you were in North Mississippi years ago, there was a meteorologist there, Matt LeBon. You may have seen him on YouTube. He even got picked up in national news reports because he was going through the weather uh, when there was a tornado going through the town of Tupelo. And I've watched that back even this morning just to make sure I had it right. And I know we can joke sometimes about do, do, do the men and women who report the weather always get it right. But when Matt LeBon Matt LeBon says, basement now. And he looks at his staff and says it again. Basement now, let's go. And he ran off the screen. Let me tell you, everybody in Tupelo ran to the basement. There's no basements in Tupelo, but everybody scrambled for the basement. Why? Because Matt, who was an authority on weather, said, right now, let's go. Joseph is saying, run. Run, church. He's modeled that for us. What's, what's, that, what's that pull? What's that temptation where you need to say, today I'm recommitting it. I'm running. I am repenting and turning 180. But also to recommit, hey, I want to be really intentional about where I'm going. I don't want to run aimlessly, as Paul said, as others. I'm very intentional about my race so I can roam with endurance and not get caught up in the encumbrances or snares of this world. I'm going to be very intentional to run well. It may cost me, but I want to run well. And here's the good news. Not only are we called to run, but what Scripture says is this, and you see it in Joseph's life, verse 3, 21 and 23. You see what James 4, 8 says. If you'll do that and you... Instead of running towards sin, you run towards God. James 4, 8 says, when you, when you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Elizabeth said, at the, I think at the end of her first verse of her first song, God is with us. I love the prodigal son story, a son of a, the story of a son who ran far from his father, but as soon as he turned and came back to his father, what does Luke 15 tell us? The father saw him far off, was moved with compassion, and the word in the Greek is sprinted to his son. If you failed in any way, you failed to run, we serve a God who will run to us with his grace and his mercy. Praise God for that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word today to remind us again, not only of the mandates of Scripture, but, but the example of one who went through a very real temptation, and yet he was faithful to turn from it and to run. Father, help us to see that, whatever the area is. 
the misuse of your gift of sexuality or an attitude or words or putting ourselves in front of things we shouldn't. Father, help us to be people who run well. Father, we also pray that you give us a mind and a heart for your word and your way so that we're being very careful with our friendships and our families and ourselves that we're running to you, uh, that we are on your path, that we are, we are holding on to your promises. And Father, whatever the price is to be paid for that kind of response, we'll do it because we know you're with us. You've promised that. And you already, you've given us to that in Joseph's life. You've given us to that in your spirit sent with us. You've given us to that in your son who stepped out of heaven to be with us. So Father, we trust you. We trust you to be with us as, as we live out what we see here. Bless now our response to this, your word. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is always one of response. Let's stand together as we sing and as we respond.